how did you get into cable? How, you know, how did I get into cable? How did I start? Yes, it was my good soul music listening. Uh, J.W. Friday, he was a big influence uh, to a lot of black folks here in Portland. He was a regular on KBU. He played the music we wanted to hear. He was a great guy for years and years. And then KBU would always mention, like we did earlier today, Michael, about volunteering. Volunteer, That's volunteer. right. That's what our station's built upon, volunteering. Yeah, so, so then I I got the call out, and uh, my mentor at KBU started off as Pablo I, Pablo Ennis. At the reggae show for years and years, over 20 years, Pablo was on KBU and got caught up in the big shakeup of 2006. And also, Shahid Hamed, my other mentor. Shahid, if you're listening, pick up my brother. Okay, Michael, I'm going to be done now. Hit us up, let us know what to do, and continue success. All right. All right. Radio back next week, and we're going postal. We're going postal next Thursday. We do the post office, all about the post office and what it's all about. Thank you, Michael. I'm out. All right. Thank you. Uh-oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And throw my clothes on Come get you right away Can't wait to see you looking lovely I hope you're thinking of me Cause all I want is time with you And don't need nothing more So Thank you, engineer. Well, I'm Teresa Mitchell. This is Press Watch News You're Not Supposed to Know, and uh, I want to tell you that you are under a fascist attack right now. And I want to talk about that in the um, the coming minutes here. Press Watch was reporting the news you're not supposed to know during the invasions of Iraq and Afghanistan. It was reporting the news you're not supposed to know before the invasion of Panama, actually, the bombing of the former Yugoslavia, the Battle of Seattle in 99, the demonstrations after the slaying of Kendra James by the Portland Police Department. 
the joyous invasion of downtown when Occupy started in 11 and the occupation of the ICE building here in Portland. When I first came here in the early 90s, I took a big, thick Morantz Castat rig. I mean, it was, it was huge onto a Zodiac boat, and I went to the edge of a timber ship to report on a demonstration against the export of old growth for the use of chopsticks. I was arrested in 96, covering the rape of Enola Hill for KBOO. These are the stories that got bogus coverage and no coverage, except here on KBOO, and now our reporters are downtown covering the struggle for rights. We're here for you. Can you be here for us? It's only fair. Go to KBOO.fm and tag us and uh, do what you can there. And sometimes I think maybe I should just jam out this uh, intro music myself. Etc. Well... I need to tell you some of the news you're not supposed to know before we get into the main topics here. And uh, the U.S. has put new restrictions on Chinese diplomats in America. This is part of Trump's effort to uh, make the news cycle about China, anything but, but, but COVID-19. He's barring senior envoys from visiting universities or meeting local government officials without approval. And the latest escalation in tensions between the two countries announcing the latest measures, the State Department said it was responding to significant barriers on its own diplomats based in China. This is from the Guardian, uh, the London Guardian, used to be the Manchester Guardian. Uh, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompas Pompeo told a news briefing, quote, we're simply demanding reciprocity. Access for our diplomats in China should be reflective of the access that Chinese diplomats in the, U- diplomats in the United States have. And today's steps will move us substantially in that direction, in quotes. Chinese, um, excuse me, China's Washington embassy called the move, quote, yet another unjustified restriction and barrier on Chinese diplomatic and consular personnel, in quote, and said that it runs counter to self-proclaimed values of openness and freedom of the U.S. side. The U.S.-China relationship has been increasingly strained over a range of issues from Huawei and trade disputes to coronavirus to China's crackdown in Hong Kong and human rights violations in Xinjiang. And uh, what the uh, Washington Post doesn't say is that the U.S. has been provoking the heck out of the Chinese uh, near their border uh, their border waters. They write, a round of tit-for-tat controls on embassies and media have already seen both countries close to a major consulate, close a major consulate, excuse me, and increase restrictions on journalists, with American journalists for outlets, including the New York Times, Washington Post and Wall Street Journal forced to leave China. So there's more on that article. Uh, if you have trouble getting through the paywall, use a VPN and uh, clear your history. And sometimes you can get through. So I said you're under fascist attack. And, uh, of course, I'm referring mainly to the seemingly endless stream of, of uh, armed yahoos and pickup trucks that came into Portland over the last weekend. But now... President Trump is uh, directly attacking Portland, attacking New York and Seattle, saying that they are anarchist jurisdictions. I'm not even making this up. Um, here again, I mean, it's a, weird, it's a weird time when I have to quote the Washington Post on this program. Uh, Jeff Stein wrote an article, President Trump Wednesday approved a memo that the White House said is intended to begin restricting federal funding from going to certain Democratic-led cities that the administration determines to be anarchist jurisdictions, aiming to levy 
and ex- an extraordinary attack on political opponents just months ahead of the 2020 election. Yep, that's what it says, and I can't believe it. I mean, in the first, well, let me read it again. President Trump on Wednesday approved a memo the White, that the White House said is intended to begin restricting federal funding from going to certain Democratic-led cities. In other words, it's just brazenly doing a partisan attack. He's just, he's using the federal government for for political ends. So he should be impeached. He should be out of there. The Secret Service should declare him mad and remove him under the 27th Amendment. But it goes on. The admin, cities that the administration determines to be anarchist jurisdictions. I am so sure. I mean, oh, goody. I can't wait to start getting my paycheck. I'm an anarcho-socialist. I'll just march on down there. Now that it's an anarchist jurisdiction, how absurd. How what extreme polemics I mean it's just unbelievable and it's intended to be it's intended to keep you off your balance it's intended to tell you that it's over that it's a new world that there's nothing you can do well that's not true you have to understand you you have to take the shock and get back on your feet and understand we are under fascism now that's going to be the point I'm going to try to make over the next so 23 minutes. So as the Washington Post says, he is aiming to levy an extraordinary attack on political opponents just months ahead of the 2020 election. Anything, anything to stay in office. And he's doubling down more crimes, more crimes, because he knows that once he's out of office, he's going to have to answer for those crimes. So he'll do anything to stay in office. This is the, this is the end, if he manages this, of elections of whatever we have left of democracy. Continuing with the Washington Post article, which is just astonishing, in a five-page memo, and you can see the memo on, uh, on Twitter, by the way, the president directs the White House Office of Management and Budget to give guidance to federal agencies on restricting funding to cities that defund their police departments. Washington Post puts defund in uh, quotation marks because no one has completely defunded their police department. They've been reduced somewhat. And uh, if you're wondering how this is going to affect Portland, well, I don't have the uh, total numbers, uh, but just a quick look shows that there are 4,535 federal employees under the general schedule employed in Portland. So if you give them an average uh, salary of 60-something thousand dollars, we're talking about $300 million that uh, Trump can play around with to mess up the economy in Portland to punish us for being primarily Democratic voters or as, as the memo has it, an anarchist jurisdiction. I know the tone of my voice is very outraged, uh, but uh, this, is, uh, this is an opinion program, and I'm just not going to hide it. This is uh, unbelievable, but we have to match it. We have to match that energy and push back against this illegal criminal federal government headed by President Trump and all his toadies. The memo they write also directs the Justice Department within 14 days to come up with a list of localities that qualify as anarchist jurisdictions and post that list publicly. Trump has said there is a wide-ranging Democratic plot to defund the police departments, although most prominent Democrats, including presidential nominee Joe Biden, have adamantly rejected this approach. 
President's memo states, quote, my administration will not allow federal tax dollars to fund cities that allow themselves to deteriorate into lawless zones. It is imperative that the federal government review the use of federal funds by jurisdictions that permit anarchy, violence, and destruction in American cities, end quote. I'm yelling so much that my dog has come in to check on me. Well, now my cat's come in to check on me. So <laughs> maybe I'm stirring you up a little bit. I don't know. But uh, I, the last thing I would want is for this, uh, this latest attack on rule of law, uh, on the people of the United States, this latest attack on the people uh, to produce apathy or a stuff, get up and fight, fascism is here. Uh, continuing with the article in the Washington Post, the federal government provides funding for cities in variety, excuse me, a variety of ways. These include transportation projects, housing aid, law enforcement grants, and numerous other measures. Even though the money is often approved by Congress, administration officials can attempt to cancel certain projects. A new memo asks about the legal authority for canceling certain projects. So that's, that's the framework that we have here. And uh, now I want to talk about those, those pickup trucks. To effectively fight the Reich wing, we have to be organized. We have to act collectively. So I've got to ask you, are you supporting KBOO News and Public Affairs? I'm asking this because uh, it's our membership drive, and we're going to be having a two-month membership drive. It's going to have to be different because this is a pandemic. We can't have you come in and answer phones. We're going to have to try to get you to contribute something Maybe you already contributed a little bit, but if you can pull out kboo.fm and tag us for uh, some dollars. We also have uh, KBOO swag. You can find that on the website as well, kboo.fm. Did you know that the famous internationally viewed video of downtown shooting was from a KBOO reporter, Corey? That's, uh, that's what KBOO is doing now. We've been there for you. We're standing up for you. Will you stand up for us? Will you go to kboo.fm? Now, uh, there's an article in Common Dreams website, and this is a website that I want to promote here because it is uh, hidden, effectively de-emphasized by Facebook algorithms. Facebook is so powerful that it can make uh, formerly popular websites go away simply by de-emphasizing them in their algorithms, and Common Dreams is one of those. Not something it deserves, but it does, uh, you know, it does help the, the dynamic there at uh, Facebook where employees are just employees and billions of dollars belong to Zuckerberg, as should not be. The wealth needs to be redistributed, frankly. But uh, they write, Trump's fascist signaling is going to create more Kyle Rittenhouses. And it's an article by Carl Gibson. And the headline says, the president's re-election depends on fence-sitting Americans in swing states excusing fascist-inspired violence in order to feel safe. That's a strategy straight out of the fascist playbook. And I think uh, Gibson is right on about that. You need to be talking to your relatives. you got relatives in Iowa. i got relatives in Texas. We've got some talking to do. No sitting on their hands. No making excuses. Got to get the fascist out. He writes, it's not hyperbole to say that President Trump is encouraging right-wing domestic terrorism after a white supremacist killed one and injured nearly two dozen others in a 2017 terrorist attack against protesters in Charlottesville. Trump initially condemned the violence, saying that hate groups were 
president were repugnant, but the next day he reversed course, saying that there are very fine people on both sides. So this has been going on since 2017. And returning to the article, even though one side almost entirely consisted of the same hate groups that he maligned the day prior, who chanted slogans like, Jews will not replace us. Trump's remarks were celebrated by the neo-Nazi Andrew Anglin. But in 2020, there's apparently no longer any need to pretend to dislike domestic terrorism carried out against his political enemies. In fact, he's signaling to his most rabid followers that he wants more of it, despite getting a straight-down-the-middle home plate pitch from a journalist to speak out against 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse's alleged murder of two protesters and, and injuring of a third in Kenosha last week. Trump insisted Rittenhouse, whose contingent in Kenosha included a man who routinely posted neo-Nazi propaganda on social media, was acting in self-defense. A reporter asked, do you condemn the actions of vigilantes like Kyle Rittenhouse? And Trump said, quote, we're looking at all of it. It was an interesting situation. We saw the same thing, and he was trying to get away from them, and he fell, and then they very violently attacked him, end quote. He's talking, and Trump is talking there about a situation in which Rittenhouse had already murdered someone and people with skateboards were trying to use it to knock the gun out of his hand. So legally, he writes, it would be difficult for Rittenhouse to effectively claim self-defense given that his mother drove him across state lines with an assault rifle he isn't old enough to legally carry to shoot people instead of staying home and doing what normal 17-year-olds do like TikTok or homework. But the defense of Rittenhouse isn't even the worst part. Trump went further to suggest all non-Republican political ideology was inherently dangerous to society. He's quoted saying, law-abiding law suburbanites who get their information from Facebook and local TV news will be the voters who decide whether or not a man who encourages white supremacist domestic terrorists to kill Americans in the streets gets to be the most powerful person in the world for another four years. America simply won't recover after four, another four years of Trump. That, uh, that quote is actually, I think, well, a line is skipped, and so I'm quoting someone I don't know who I'm quoting. Whoops. Uh, but skipping ahead in that article, Trump very likely knows by now that his base is both eager and more than capable of committing acts of political violence. Kyle Rittenhouse was in the front row of a Trump rally as recently as January. Trump supporter Caesar Sayoc mailed pipe bombs to news outlets and prominent Democrats that Trump attacked. The man who killed 20 people at an El Paso Walmart in 2019 wrote a manifesto that borrowed heavily from Trump's remarks about undocumented immigrants. So, now speaking for myself, we, we've uh, had uh, incident after incident. Uh, they are accelerating. And uh, we had those you know, 1,000 or 600, however many trucks it was, come into Portland, and we now know that it was organized starting in Idaho. It was a regional effort to come in here and punish Portland protesters, punish Portland generally. Anyone who didn't wear a MAGA hat was subjected to being shot by pepper balls and sprayed with uh, capsicum uh, by these people who had Glocks attached to their hips. Uh, so this is the ugliest sort of intimidation that could be imagined, and it was carried out uh, by people. And these people are pretty well healed to have these giant pickup trucks and be able to, you know, take time off and travel interstate to come in here and, and do this gang work, this thug work. And also, I think we uh, have no reason to kid ourselves any longer that these militias are truly separate from the police. It's not a mistake. 
it's not a continued error. The militias and the police are very tight. And to some extent, the militias are the police. So what to do? And especially what to do because, uh, as in other cases, as in, in other actions, we can see that there is a parallel between the uh, anti-dissent actions that the U.S. has promoted around the world in Central and South America, for example, in Southeast Asia, the death squads that the U.S. has promoted, the intimidation tactics that the U.S., the imperial U.S. has promoted for decades. We can see that there is a parallel and there is blowback from these tactics, and they are appearing and will continue to appear and to escalate in the fabric of U.S. society. This is happening now. You need to know how to defend yourself against it. Part of it is banding together. Part of it is supporting your people's radio station, KBOO.FM. Do you support KBOO.FM? That's not the only thing to do, because one of the things that they are going to do, I can predict this easily, is they are going to emulate the uh, the feds and the police departments who snatch people in unmarked cars. I mean, that was that is one of the things that uh, was done under Operation Condor. It was done in Argentina and Chile uh, under U.S. auspices with the, uh, with the support and encouragement from the very top, from Nixon and Kissinger and so on. And uh, this has been, this pattern is a part of how Americans attack dissent when the worst of us are out and about and doing their ugly thing. And it had been, had been hidden from the U.S. public very effectively. This is one of the things that uh, I've covered on my show over the decades, is that uh, we Americans are collectively guilty of engaging in these terroristic death squad tactics across the world. And one of the things they do is they snatch people. And uh, at first they, you know, like in Chile, they snatch people and beat them up and bring them back. And then they snatch people and they bring them to a coliseum and they torture them to death and they throw them out of helicopters and they keep torturing and they keep going after people until the entire society is afraid to say boo against fascism. That's how it works and that's what they really like. That's the point that Trump and his supporters really, really want to get to. So that people like you and I are afraid to do anything but cheer them. You want that society? Because it's coming. It's here. It's coming now. This is how they do it. So what are you going to do if you get snatched? Do you think you're going to have time to pull out your cell phone? Do you think you're going to have time to pull out a pistol? You're not. They wait for you. They sneak up on you. They grab you. What are you going to do? If you find yourself under attack by militia gangs attempting to abduct you, the only thing that you have time to do is to scream your name over and over. You scream your name because that defeats the anonymous aspect of it. If you think of it in advance, that if this ever happens to you, what are you going to do? You're going to scream out your name, and you're going to explode every continent so that no one has any doubt what your name is, and you're going to keep screaming it just as long as you can before and even after those doors shut on that SUV. You have to think of of this now because we've gone this far. This is what happened when people decided that they were just going to, you know, this is what happened when soccer moms decided that although they are too embarrassed to say so publicly, they're going to go ahead and vote for Trump Trump in the hopes that they're a little, you know, their little Kyles were going to get that advantage in school somehow. 
that they're going to continue to get white privilege. Wouldn't, wouldn't admit to it, but the numbers prove they did it. And it'll happen again, and that's exactly what Trump is suggesting. It is powerful. It is the right tactic for him to get reelected, not really elected, but enough for him to get that plurality that allows him to have enough intimidation and enough semi-legitimacy to steal the presidency. This is what must be fought back against this instant. And when I say that you need to be prepared to scream your name, I'm not exaggerating. That's how ugly things have gotten. That's where we're at. Don't doubt it. KBOO.FM. Do you support it? Because we're on your side. We're not going to pretend things are okay. We're not going to give softball questions. We're not going to give euphemisms and make excuses and repeat Trump's foolish lies. We're going to call it for what it is. This is your anti-fascist radio station. We are here now for you. We are standing together. The more of us stand together, the more powerful we are. If we don't stand together, they can just come and take us one by one. You ready to scream? Trump's suggestion, he writes, that the horrible left-wing ideology must be stopped could very well be interpreted by the written houses and psyops of America that they need to take up arms against the political left, and that if they do so, they can claim self-defense. This is likely the impetus behind herds of Trump supporters swarming on Portland, Oregon, driving into crowds of protesters, spraying pepper spray at protesters through open windows, and shooting paintball guns at them. My cat thinks I need my need, my cat thinks that I need uh, comforting now. She's cuddling up against me. <laughs> This is pretty sweet. Ironically, he writes, it's the same thing that Trump warned would happen in 2018 when he suggested a caravan of undocumented immigrants was going to invade cities and attack citizens, except the caravans are his most loyal supporters here. So speaking for myself, it's a case of Hector Projector. Well, uh, returning to that text, since early June, Portland State University professor Alexander Reed Ross has been documenting the campaign of unprecedented violence that far-right militias and homegrown terrorists have been waging against largely peaceful protesters. Ross's interactive map of either outright violence against or menacing of protesters shows hundreds of incidents in hundreds of counties in virtually every state in the country. And Ross said in an interview this summer uh, of right-wing terrorism that has been sweeping the U.S. is not unlike ISIS-targeted terror attacks in Europe over the past several years. Uh, quote, image boards like 8-Kun, 8-Chan, when they see this kind of thing, there's no other word for it than jubilation. And that kind of celebration of extreme violence and murder with a political end, I don't know how else you would define that. What you usually find when you study terrorism is that it's not necessarily designed to carry out a direct objective other than the heightening of political tensions and oppositions. It's there to polarize. That's what leads me to believe that the object, the objective is in fact terrorism, in quotes. President Trump's re-election depends on fence-sitting Americans in swing states excusing fascist-inspired violence in order to feel safe. That's the game. It's working. And as Robert Paxton wrote in An Anatomy of Fascism, that's a strategy straight out of the fascist playbook. Fascist violence was neither random nor indiscriminate. It carried a well-calculated set of coded messages that communist violence was rising, that the democratic state was responding to it ineptly, and only the fascists were tough enough to save the nation from anti-national terrorists. An essential step in the fascist march to acceptance and power was to persuade law and order conservatives and members of the middle class to tolerate fascist violence as a harsh 
necessity in the face of left provocation. This is why they keep running the little fires over and over, the places that have gotten burned down during riots, even the tiniest fires. I'll show that on the news, uh, on the, uh, the fascist, frankly, fascist-owned stations. They will show those. And that's why police are so excited uh, when things get to burning. Police will never stop those fires. Uh, they, they have their effect. I'm not going to say that uh, the writing, I mean, the reason we're having a conversation at all about defunding police is because uh, there has been unrest to the point of burning things down. I won't deny that. But it also serves another purpose, and uh, that violence, uh, those fires, are so essential to the police. Those broken windows are so essential that uh, if, if no one's doing it, the police will arrange for it to be done. It's complex. There's another quote here. If one party supports everything I believe in but doesn't believe in maintaining law and order all the time and everywhere, I'll back a party that does. In that sense, I'm a one-issue voter because without order, there's no room for any other issue. That's uh, from columnist Andrew Sullivan, a product of elitist institutions like Harvard University and New York Magazine, essentially admitting he prefers fascism if it means overly militant protests would be squashed. He's quoted saying, disorder always and everywhere begets, begets more disorder. The minute the authorities appear to permit such violence, it is destined to grow. And if liberals do not defend order, fascists will, end quote. So I said what I said about the, uh, the unrest driving the discussion, and I meant it. But it's also very important, I'm speaking for myself here, that uh, those videos in which you just walk around or get in your car and show that Portland is calm and Portland is not burning, and people are okay, and people are relaxed, those are super important right now because that violence is being used both ways. And uh, I understand that uh, people are saying violence really shouldn't be used uh, in the context of, of property damage. But that's the way most Americans are going to take it, and they're terrified of it. So what are we going to do? There's a couple of things to do. One is to make those videos, put them on Twitter, put them on Facebook, put them on Instagram, and show this city is okay. It is okay. I'm fine. You're fine. And the other thing is to band together, and that means supporting KBOO Portland. I can't believe it's the bottom of the hour already. I didn't let one person call in. <laughs> my, my pets are over here because I'm yelling so loud. They want to make sure I'm okay. I want to make sure you're okay. I want to make sure the station is okay, and this means that... Uh, you need to support us. You need to pull up kboo.fm. That's how we're doing it right now because it's pandemic. And, uh, you know, we, I could call this uh, broadcast demonocracy now because things have gotten so bad. But we have to face it, and we have to have our ducks in a row and understand what we are going to do about it. Where were you when you heard of the criminal U.S. bombing of the masses in the El Mariyat shelter in Baghdad? Did you listen to KBOO as I described how a series of different bombs was used to rip off the top, penetrate the, massive, penetrate the massive concrete shielding, and literally roast the hundreds of women and children blown into a massive flaming soup. KBOO reported it that way. That's We're different. It's the news you're not supposed to know, and I'm out of time. And thanks to the engineer, and I hope that you will stay tuned for a pair of foggering coming up next, going out to you via KBOO 90.7 FM through the transmitter on the hill, and KBOO.FM to all the ships at sea.